0: Have you been changed? Do you believe it? Well, turn to someone and tell them, I've been changed. And I'm never going to be the same again. Amen. God bless you. Please do take your seats. Uh, Just uh, one more announcement before we uh, go into our message this afternoon. Just to say that, obviously, we've been celebrating the Queen's Jubilee today. Um, over this weekend as well we've been celebrating with our, our food fair that uh, has been going on today And we continue on obviously um, And on Saturday we're going to be having uh, a jubilee gathering for the children here in the church It's actually a family day, and we really want families to come out as, as we celebrate together It'll be a, a wonderful time here throughout the day All the different groupings starting off with uh, the younger kids from 5 to 9 year olds The kids buzz that's at, at ten thirty. And then we've got the babies, um, and that's at twelve thirty um, for 0 to four-year-olds. And then uh, in the afternoon we've got the womb ministry. We uh, minister to those who are expecting, expecting mothers and fathers. Um, and also we have uh, the buzz for the older kids, ten to fourteen-year-olds um, here as well. We've got the family cafe running throughout the day. There's going to be activities in the car park, uh, all sorts of things happening. So uh, families, you're more than welcome. Invite, you know, your neighbours, your friends as we celebrate together. And also on that same Saturday, uh, for those of you here who are business-minded people, that will be the next in our business uh, schools, the School of Business, taking place at Summit House uh, from uh, 11 to 1 p.m. that Saturday, the 9th of June. And the topic is Helpful Tips on Managing Your Personal Finances. Helpful Tips on Managing Your Personal Finances. Well, we are going to now go into the Word of God uh, this afternoon and in the teaching service, the 5 p.m. teaching service here at KT. Um, And uh, today we are doing a more or less kind of like a one-off topic over uh, the past week, Bruce, Bruce has been teaching uh, on the Sermon the, on the Mount, Jesus Christ spoke uh, Matthew 5, 6 and 7 um, and taught uh, the Sermon on the Mount and he's been going through that over the past uh, few weeks and he's going to be back next week to continue that series but today uh, we continue to focus on the teachings of Jesus Christ and uh, I want to explore, I want us to explore, to study together uh, the parables of Jesus, the parables of Jesus. We're not going to uh, specifically go into uh, the many parables that Jesus Christ shared, taught, explained, and, and uh, expounded on, but we want to just look at the, the parables of Jesus, have an overview of the parables of Jesus, the significance of them, and hopefully learn some truths that we can apply in our lives and also in our study of the Word of God. So we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus You see, what we must realize is that we live in the present for the future with knowledge of the past. I'll say that again. We live in the present for the future with knowledge of the past. That's why stories have such an impact on us because stories are forged from imagery, from, from things that have happened in the past, because we can relate to them when those stories are told. We can say, yes, I know what that means, I know what that relates to, I know that what that signifies. And the parables, in a lot of ways, use the past, which we know of, to paint a picture of the future, of truth, of reality. Uh, there's a, a particular song by uh, Kirk Franklin that I, I, I really like, and I, I, I like the song, song, because this song takes uh, this kind of imagery and portrays it, and it it is the song Imagine Me. In other words, this is not what I am. But this is what I believe I'm going to be. And, and he speaks about the change and transformation that comes. Uh, the chorus says, imagine me being free, trusting you totally. Finally, I can imagine me. It was, I, me, I admit it was hard to see you being in love with someone like me, but finally, I can imagine me. I can see something in me. I can see something that has been done in my life through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I can let go of the past. I can have another chance. I can allow my heart to rejoice because I know that I don't have to read that page again. There's a story that has been told, a story that has been told of my life, a story that has been told of my destiny. And the greatest challenge we all struggle with is having a now picture of what is not yet. I'll say that again. We struggle with having a now picture of what is not yet. And that's why the parables of Jesus Christ so confounded many, many people. Because Jesus Christ was trying to give them a now picture of what is not yet. Something that they hadn't encountered. The parables were there to enable the disciples to see beyond the perspective that they held. To see beyond that which they knew of, that which they understood That which they'd walked in, that which they had been involved in. The parables gave them a platform to move forward. And Jesus taught in the present. Jesus taught in the present. His words are still what I would describe as now words. The words of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that they are living and they are active the bible doesn't say that the words of jesus christ have lived or they will leave it says that the words of jesus christ they are living. there is a present tense in there there is a now impact that comes through with the words of jesus christ his words are still now words and so Jesus taught in the present, but he challenged their past. In other words, this imagery, this picture that you had, let me now unpack it to you so that you will see the truth of what your future can be like. And he gave them this whole picture of teaching in parables. The interesting thing is that uh, Jesus made a very profound statement concerning the parables. He said that, I speak in parables so that they wouldn't understand. I speak in parables... So that they wouldn't understand. Now why would Jesus do that? I thought that his goal was to come and to share and to make things open and to make things plain. Why would Jesus do that? And and right through the Gospels we see this again and again. We read in Matthew 13 and verse 34. He says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. And without a parable he did not speak to them. Mark 4, 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. John 10, 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. You see, many of us as Christians believe that Jesus taught in parables to make his message clear. But that is not completely biblical. Even his disciples were sometimes in the dark, concerning what Jesus was saying, exactly what is he going on about, exactly what is happening here. Repeatedly they asked Jesus to explain the parables to them. Anyone here seen any of the Matrix film, the Matrix trilogy? Anyone? Okay. I'm not a big movie fan. I, I confess I'm not, I'm not big on movies. But that, those, those uh, are one of the few that I can say that I've watched. And one of the things that interested me about the Matrix trilogy, and if you've seen the movie, I'm sorry, but I I, I, I might be explaining something to some of you that haven't seen the movie. But if you've seen the movie, one of the things about the Matrix is that it is telling a story. And there are bits in the in the movie. I think I, I just don't understand that. I don't don't understand why he did that. What what does that mean? How did he? What was the significance of that? And right through, it's like there's the subplots and underplots and all the stuff going on. And I know that there's a lot of. Intricacy in the making of movies and the stories that uh, uh the director is, is trying to bring bring across. But I was actually fascinated and underlying that there were some interesting truths that you can even parallel with biblical teaching, um, which is very interesting. So I find it very insightful. And so, in some ways, when Jesus Christ shared with his disciples, even they who were close to him did not understand so let us review the parables of jesus one thing that we do know is that during his earthly ministry that jesus went about preaching and teaching we know that of his ministry and he frequently used parables as a matter of fact it has been estimated that something in the region of about a third of what jesus taught the things that he shared the things that he expounded on were given through parables, up to a third of his teaching. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at a, a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 13, which kind of lays the foundation of how Jesus would often teach and preach in parables. Matthew 13 and verse 1 to verse 3. It says, Matthew 13, verse 1 to verse 3, it says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow." And uh, so on and so forth. The, the story goes on. And then if we uh, uh, scroll down to um, verse 33, it says, "Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like laven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened." All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying... I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so we see that Jesus Christ taught, and and certainly many of the most remembered saints of Jesus Christ, of his teachings, often it will be the parables. I remember being given a children's Bible as a, 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 a very young child. And the Old Testament was full of stories of the patriarchs. So you have the story of Moses crossing the Red Sea and David slaying Goliath and, you know, Daniel in the lion's den and Joshua, you know, blowing down the walls of Jericho. And uh, uh, those were the stories that were in the children's Bible. You know, they they just summarize the story. And the New Testament was the parables of Jesus. It was the stories about how, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the the good Samaritan, the story of uh, the the five wise and the five foolish virgins, uh, the story of the the talents, and, and, and these made up, what would constitute the children's Bible, the Old Testament patriarch stories, and the parables of Jesus, essentially. I know I'm probably stretching a point to make a point. Essentially, the parables of Jesus Christ in uh, the New Testament. And so, uh, many of the remembered saints of Jesus are his parables. And therefore, if this is uh, such a significant aspect of his teaching and ministry, then we, as his disciples should be asking questions about these parables that Jesus taught. And that's what we're going to be doing as we go through this teaching service today. We're going to uh, probably deal with four questions through, through the course of our journey this afternoon. The first one is we're going to uh, find out the definition of a parable. What is a parable? When we say a parable, what is a parable the second we're going to try to answer is why did jesus teach in parables the third is what are the parables themselves about what what's the content what do they signify and finally how should we as believers interpret the parables how should we as believers interpret the parables Writers of the New Testament, whilst using uh, allegories and and similitudes, do not use the story of parables as Jesus Christ did, although occasionally we might find in the Old Testament uh, a parabolic story, for example, the story of the vineyard uh, in Isaiah 5, 1-7, and the parable, for example, that Nathan spoke to David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Um, and that, 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 that parable that he spoke to David brought such tremendous conviction to David's heart, even though he didn't know what Nathan was talking about. Um, and we see a couple of these in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, though, it seems to be primarily in the ministry of Jesus, which, as we've just heard, was a fulfillment of prophecy. This was part of the fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says that Jesus was going to teach in parables and this he did so by the time his ministry which is recorded uh begins in Matthew 12 and 13 Jesus form of public teaching had become principally uh, teaching through parables so let's look at the definition of the word parable what does the word parable mean a parable is usually a story or a narrative drawn from nature or human circumstances. So there is consistency that uh, uh, people connect to straight away um and like i said you know uh, when we we think of uh, the whole context of how stories come about stories come about because we are able to connect with the imagery that is being painted we can see within uh, that story the the, the setting the, the the characters and we can say oh yes yes i can relate to that i can relate to that i can relate to that but all of that comes from our past understanding that which has already been established and so uh, it is usually a story or narrative drawn from nature or human circumstances. The second is that uh, it's something that we can learn spiritual lessons uh, when we compare it. Uh, 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 a common definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But such a definition uh, really is not broad enough to include all of the parables that Jesus taught. While it's a general way of looking at the parables, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, uh, it does not quite cut it with every single parable that Jesus taught. For example, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 23, uh, uh, by that above definition, that particular one will be probably termed a proverb. Or when we look at Mark 7 and verse 15 to 17, uh, by that same definition uh, it will be more like a a riddle and so we see that uh, the the parables even though there's this general sense of an earthly story with a heavenly meaning there is a wider scope to it but what does the word itself mean it uh, comes from the greek word parabole p-a-r-a-b-o-l-e for those of you who are making notes and uh, that comes from two other greek words balo which means to throw or cast. That's where we get the the the, 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 the word ballast from, which they use uh, to uh, uh, steady ships. So to throw or cast. So uh, ballo and para, which means alongside or alongside of. So if we put those two words together, it means that which is thrown alongside resulting in comparison. That which is thrown alongside resulting in Comparison. And so you've got this story that is painted, this parable that is given, this this picture that is revealed, put alongside truth. And as we look at the parable, a comparison is made, and we are able to glean some spiritual truths and uh, insight. And so uh, a parable generally is a comparison or an analogy drawn from nature. All human circumstances, uh, which is set forth in a spiritual lesson. And in all of the parables of Jesus, they are comparison of spiritual realities and natural occur- occurrences. So you've got spiritual realities alongside natural occurrences, and they are being compared together. Uh, it is interesting because uh, parables are not the same, same as. Allegories, because with allegories, um, you are looking at something that actually has meaning to everything that is within it. So, for example, uh, an allegory in uh, uh, the the New Testament will be the picture that we see in Galatians four, uh, verse twenty four to thirty one, where Hagar and Sarah are used to contrast the old and the new. Covenant. So every detail in an allegory corresponds to something specific, which is not the case for the parables. So let's go to the next question. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Why did Jesus teach in parables? The New Testament does not state, at least not in so many words, the exact purpose of the parabolic teachings of Jesus Christ but it does imply it and so again we go to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10 we pick up from there it says and the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables he answered and said to them because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a fourfold goal in parables that uh, um, I want to speak about. Um, The fourfold goal in parables in, in terms of what it does and what it reveals is firstly parables give truth. They are revelation of truth. So they will reveal oftentimes more than what a plain statement would reveal. And so Jesus Christ revealed deep spiritual truths in an easy way for his disciples to understand. That's the first thing. The second thing which is very interesting is that it concealed truth. The parables concealed truth. The use of parables did not make Jesus' teaching plain to all who heard it because having no appreciation for it, Some of his hearers would not seek to understand it. The Bible says, for the loved, darkness more than light. And the concealment of truth is not inconsistent with God because uh, the concealment of truth is uh, in in terms of what the parables speak about oftentimes, which is uh, the kingdom. Now let me speak about the word kingdom for a moment. The word kingdom, and as we see in a moment, as we unpack this particular area a little bit further, the word kingdom occurs again and again and again in the teaching of the parables, the teaching of the parables. Now, it would seem, if we just take that word itself, and oftentimes when I, when, I, when I talk to people about the word kingdom, I just divide it in two. There are two words that are joined together. It's the king's domain. That's how we get the word kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah, the king's domain, or you can say where the king has rule, where the king has authority, where the king has governance, where the king is able to influence. Okay. Now we know that the Jesus Christ spoke often through the parables about the kingdom of God. And so when it says a concealment of truth there, it is speaking about the people who do not have The experience or the rule of God in their lives and in their hearts being able to grapple with what he is sharing. The the parables, uh, the third thing that they do apart from revealing truth or concealing truth, they preserve truth. They are set forth in vivid striking form which draws attention. Which draws attention. If I was to say the parable of the prodigal son, most of you would have heard The story. You'd have heard the story of this father who had two sons, and one of his sons decides that he was going to go away to a far country, and the father hands him his inheritance, even though the father was alive. Effectively, the son was saying to the father, I wish you were dead, in asking for his inheritance. And we see the story that unfolds: how the son goes away, and how he squanders everything in in riotous living. And the son who's at home is thinking, "Well, you know, I'm going to 'Cause I'm here.' My father is kind of not, you know, affirming me in that way. And this son comes back, and the father, the Bible says, even whilst he was yet a long way away, the father runs to meet him. This is my son who was lost, but now is found. A parable that preserves it's it's put in striking story format that you and I are able to remember biblical truth. And the fourth thing that parables do is that sometimes they will elicit truth from those otherwise reluctant to acknowledge it. In other words, when a parable is told, when we look at the story, we'll say, well, of course, justice has been done. The parable of the wicked husbandmen, spoken by Jesus to the Jews caused the Jews in effect to admit that God should be just in destroying their wickedness. We heard of this in Matthew chapter 21. And so sometimes the parables will elicit truth from those who are otherwise reluctant to acknowledge it. One thing going back to the story of the prodigal son that we can say about that father is that that father is a loving and a forgiving father. Without me telling you that the father is loving and forgiving, by just sharing the parable of the prodigal son, you can come to the conclusion about the story that this father was a loving and a forgiving father. And that's why he embraced that son who literally had wished he was dead by asking for his inheritance and going away. So what is the subject matter, or what are the subject matter of the parables of Jesus? As I've mentioned, the general theme is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Again, we go to Matthew chapter 13... And verse eleven, Matthew chapter thirteen, and verse eleven. Being in Matthew thirteen for uh, the bulk of our study this afternoon, says he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And then he will go on and illustrate the parables again and again, saying the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he will tell a story about the lost coin. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he will tell a story about the sower who goes out to sow the soil. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he will tell the story about the talents. Now what is he doing in telling those stories and connecting them with the kingdom of heaven? Well, there are three sub-themes that come out of that kingdom principle and kingdom Understanding. Are you with me so far? There are three sub-themes that come out of that. The first is that it would seem that Jesus Christ is wanting us to know the character of the kingdom. What is this kingdom like? What is this kingdom like? And remember, kingdom is the rulership, the reign, the dominion of the king. The place where the king has influence. And so he's trying to help us to understand the character of the kingdom. The parable of the mustard seed, for example, speaks about the character of the kingdom. The parable of the hidden treasure. The parable of the pearl of great price. All speaking about the character of the kingdom. Something so precious. Something so unique. Something so immense, something so amazing that everything else cannot be compared to it. And he used the Bible to illustrate the extent of this kingdom, that this is just such a place that if you knew that you knew that you knew that you had a pearl of great price, you will sell everything just so that you will have that pearl. In the same way, you will do anything that you need to do to make sure that you embraced the kingdom of heaven, You put yourself in the place where the rule of God can come over your life, and you can be truly a kingdom person. The second thing is the character of the king. So talk about the, the, the character of the kingdom, and then it speaks about the character of the king. We see the parable of the lost son. We see the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Speaking about the character, the nature of the king. Now who is God trying to bring us, I mean Jesus trying to bring us in contact with through the teaching that comes from the parables. He's trying to bring us into contact with the nature, the character, the person of the king. What is this king like? What is this king like? How does this king look? What is his nature? What is his character? What kind of principles does he he govern by? And we see him revealing again and again a king who is forgiven, but also a king who is just. A king who is loving, but also a king who is righteous. And Jesus Christ, through the parables, through this stories, through this vivid imagery, was painting a picture for us about the king. And the third thing that he goes on to speak about was the character of the king's subjects. In other words, knowing that this is a, a pearl of great price, that I need to be a kingdom person... Knowing that I need to put myself under the rulership of the king, how can I become a kingdom person? How can I demonstrate that I am a kingdom person? The character of the good Samaritan, which essentially is wrapping up that commandment that Jesus Christ summed up. He says, the two greatest commandments are these. Love God, love people. Essentially, to use um, 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 Isgiel album's title. Love God, love people. You shall love the Lord with all your, your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the character of kingdom people. And that's what Jesus Christ was teaching through his parables. This is the nature, this is the character of kingdom people. Another parable he speaks of is the parable of the persistent widow. Another character of a kingdom person. Now I love the story of the persistent widow. Because this person does not take no for an answer. This person refuses to let circumstance and situations dictate how they run their lives. This person refused to acknowledge that the winds and the clouds will influence how they sow and how they reap. One of my favorite, I have to throw that in because it's one of my favorite verses of scripture. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4. He who regarded the clouds will not sow. He who considers the winds will not reap. In other words, this persistent widow said, hey, even if it's midnight, I will come knocking. And I will not stop knocking until I receive the blessings of the kingdom. Jesus Christ says, ask, seek, knock, and these things will come to you. Ask and you shall find. Seek and it shall be given. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The persistent widow kept knocking, kept knocking. Did not want to know what time of the day it was. This is the character and the nature of the kingdom subjects people who say that we know that a god is able to supply exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or even imagine because we know that the king's nature is good we know that the king is the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hill is the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all i can think or ask or imagine and therefore i can come knocking because he has promised in his word that when i knock the door will be opened The parables of Jesus Christ teaching us about the nature of the king's subject. And whilst all of these uh, 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 different subtexts might overlap in the stories, one thing is certain that the kingdom that we're talking about here is not physical. So we're not talking about something that is material, we're not talking about a particular land, a particular space, a particular place, a particular position, a particular uh, 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 title, within a particular realm, in a physical sense. But we're talking about something that is spiritual. Interesting thing that comes through in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Because Jesus was asked the question about the kingdom. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. This is probably one of the most amazing truths that comes through in the parables of Jesus Christ. Not just the awareness of the the character of the kingdom or the character of the king or even the character of the subjects of the kingdom, but the awareness that this is something that is already at work within you. The Bible tells us it's by faith we have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast within you. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, now remember, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. So he would have been someone who not only would have been versed in the Torah, which would be the the, the Old Testament in the Judaic uh, 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 scriptures, he will not just be knowledgeable about the Torah, but he would have known the Torah by heart from a very young age. So this wasn't someone who did not have knowledge. Or someone who did not have insight. This was someone who was knowledgeable. Someone who had read the Torah. Someone who had studied this stuff. Someone who had memorized this stuff. Someone who had probably spent day and nights as a young boy going back and forth through those verses. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Essentially, I don't understand this. I am teaching this, but I don't understand this. And he asks, what must I do? to be saved. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus Christ says, unless you are born again, unless the kingdom of God comes in you by faith, through the work of grace, embracing the finished work that he accomplished for us on Calvary, unless that happens, you will not enter into the reality of what is now just a spiritual experience and this guy was blown away he says oh hang on a second you know i can't understand this you know what are you saying i need to be born i need to go back into my mother's womb how, how does that i'm a full-grown man how does that happen you see he was thinking naturally he was thinking naturally and it's interesting because this is a third of Jesus' teaching. It's focused on telling us about the nature of the kingdom. It's focused on telling us about this fear, about this domain, about this realm, which we ought to be fully versed and ought to be fully appreciative of because it is not natural. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. The kingdom of God is within you. So how do we interpret parables to finish off our study this afternoon? I think there are two extremes to avoid and most commenters, commentators, most uh, theologians will, will say this. There are two extremes to avoid. The first is To look at the parable and try to find a spiritual truth in every single detail of the parable. That's not the way Jesus Christ presented the parables. We can't look to every single word, every single phrase, every single picture, every single image and say, Oh, that means this, and that means that, and that means that. Because if we do that, we are walking one extreme. The other extreme is to say that there is only one spiritual truth in each of the parables. There's only one spiritual truth in each of the parables. So these are the two extremes. You can say there's only one. So the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's teaching us about you know, uh, the, the, the commandment, uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the spiritual truth and that's where it stops. Or we can then go and say, well, every single detail, the guy that was the, 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 the rabbi that crossed the road, the innkeeper signifies something, the good Samaritan, the bandit signifies, the bandits are the demons, obviously, you know that. No, that's just my makeup. <laughs> okay? But that's the way sometimes we can try to interpret the parables. Every single thing, we want to align and assign every single thing, and that will be wrong. The primary lesson or lessons of a parable must be grasped. But not each and every detail is to be a distinct lesson. So there's this general trend. And I would say what can guide you in interpreting and understanding the parables. Firstly, understand that this is a spiritual truth. And so when you embrace it, look for God to speak to you and give you spiritual insights about the story that you're reading. Remember there are three subtexts in the midst of that. Well, what is this saying about the kingdom, this place, this fear, this realm, this domain? What is it saying about the king? Is there something in there that speaks about the king, his character, his nature, his person? Is there something there that is challenging me as a kingdom person, how I should respond, how I should live my life, how I should go about my daily work as a kingdom person? And so that will help us to find balance. And so even though the, 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 the parables themselves are oftentimes stories that contain some things are made up, just as, you know, stories sometimes are made up. So we're we not looking at something that is necessarily factual, but some of it is factual. And a lot of the imageries that Jesus Christ used in those parables would have very quickly and very easily be understood by the people who lived in those times. So he wasn't using, when he spoke about, you know, uh, uh, the farmer that goes out to sow. They were, they were familiar with that, a farmer going out to sow. When he spoke about the talents, they were familiar about the talents. When he spoke about v- the virgins with their lamps, they were familiar with such imagery. So these were things that were familiar around them. And Jesus Christ used those familiar uh, uh, scenarios to actually build and present spiritual truth to them in the form of the parables. And so what do we say in conclusion? I would say a very careful reading and study of the parables of Jesus will definitely prove to be a great blessing to your life. That you will give serious consideration to the lessons that you are learning and I believe that it will allow you to gain much knowledge and wisdom. Much knowledge and wisdom. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 13 and verse 12. And this is the final thing that I want to leave with you as we bring this study to a close. It says, To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So we are not talking about something here that is meant to be hidden from you. To you has been granted the capacity to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So in other words, as the scripture says, when we search, we will find. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, that door will be open. When we ask, we will receive. And so we we shouldn't look at the parables and think, well, it's a lovely story. Oh, it's a wonderful imagery. But we should also ask, well, God, what are you saying? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to present to me as I hear the story, as I read this tale, as I understand this picture that is being painted for me? In other words, Jesus grants understanding to those who have hearts willing to receive. If our hearts are willing, and remember, God's grace extends to us, And this meeting of God's grace with our minds, with our hearts that are humble and our wills that are surrendered to him allows the mystery of the kingdom of heaven to be revealed to us. We who know Jesus, who have responded in faith, are blessed because we can see with spiritual perception and hear with spiritual Understanding. Remember, Jesus Christ spoke in Matthew thirteen sixteen. seeing they do not see and hearing, they do not hear, and neither they do not understand. Well, we have been given spiritual perception, and we've been given spiritual understanding. And our salvation should always be cause for gratitude before our Lord. Because that opens up you and I to embrace the truths of the teachings of the parables of Jesus. And allow it to bring life and light to our lives as we continue to walk and live for him. A calling is to know him and to make him known. And the parables of Jesus will help us to know him and also to make him known. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that not only Jesus did Jesus come, but he also came to share the heart of the Father with us. Father, pray for every person in this place this afternoon. Father, I know that our desire is to know you. The reason why we are even gathered here this evening is to learn, to know, to understand, to grow in our personal discipleship. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, whatever level they might be right now in their walk, in their discipleship, Lord, your desire is to take them higher and to move them further. And Lord, my prayer is that as we grasp the truth of Scripture, not only will it make an indelible mark in our lives, but that as we know you, something will be ignited within us to make you known. We will have no other thing to do but to gossip about the wonderful works and experiences that we are having with Jesus Christ, to let others know you, because that's why you have called us, that we might take your gospel to all the nations, that which we have received, that we will give. I pray that that will be our, the, the blessing that we run and walk with every single day of our lives, in Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, God bless